Damn, it's Monday already? Fuck. What day did you think it was? I thought it was like later in the week, but like... Oh, it's a fresh new week, baby. Yeah. A lot I, of mistakes to be made. I haven't slept in 11 days, so... Good morning. Good morning. Happy Monday, you beautiful people. So, last week we talked about drugs and music with Ty. But this week we're going to be talking about something a little bit more serious. Addiction. Yes, it's a very misunderstood, stigmatized, and generalized topic. And we feel very lucky and fortunate to have our next guest here with us to get fucking real and very raw about it. The insanely talented, underground hip-hop legend, man of nine lives himself riggy mars um that's so cool you guys got the poster child for addiction on your podcast (laughs) pretty hyped about it hell yeah me too we're setting off the week right with strong coffee club it's your boy riggy mars we get lit up in this bitch all right first where are you from what do you do and where are you going riggy okay so um i'm from los angeles california raised in pasadena yeah what do i do uh i make music and just live a lit life, you know? Yes, you do. And um, where am I going? Probably hell, but that's okay. <laughs> I've, I've, I've accepted that. Oh, man. Well, I uh, hope not. But if so, <laughs> we'll probably see you there. Yeah, I was so, going to say, see uh, you there. Sick. Well, yeah, let's talk about your music. You have a lot of dope music and projects on the horizon. We've heard quite a bit of it. I'm really jazzed. How is what you're working on now different from your music a year ago, two years ago, or five years ago? My music now is more evolved than it was because uh, I'm I'm making music sober now. It took a while to adjust to getting used to doing it sober, but um, uh, you know, I'm getting more views and plays and love from people than ever before. I got sober and started making music again, prepping myself to get back on the stage and then the pandemic happened so i'm like fuck now's the time to just master my craft so when the stages do open and i hit the road we're going with you you're definitely going with me dude we're gonna make this podcast mobile Ooh, i like that we're gonna do it in the back of the van like the, the, the podcast, the, the, the pod, the podcast. The back of the van. <laughs> yeah i mean hey i mean i'm game for whatever you know but yeah. How long have you been sober? Because you said it's a lot different now doing music. I know. Since- it seems like I'm not, huh? <laughs> I swear to you, I am. Uh, I'm coming up on two and a half years. So my date is September 26, 2018. Sober is a good look for me, you know? I like sober on you. Yeah, you make sober look sexy. Damn, like I don't even try either. Oh, That's my gosh. Well, tell us a little bit about your journey to and with addiction and sobriety. Okay. I I for sure was born with the addiction alcoholism gene. Like it's hereditary in my family. My grandparents on both sides of the family passed away from alcoholism, cirrhosis of the liver. So that shit's in my DNA. Before I even found drugs and alcohol as a kid, I was just very uncomfortable in my own skin, like insecure. I felt like an alien. I felt like everybody else was perfect and I was just like defected. At such a young age, I was so riddled with anxiety and depression and stuff. By the time I found drugs, it was like a relief. Right. I was like, <sighs> wow. Like I can, I want to do this shit forever. You know what I mean? So I was hooked from the beginning. It started from weed. And then uh, I found this website called arrowid.org, E R O W I D, if y'all want to peep that shit. It's still up and running. 
and they give you like information on all the drugs and like the legal status of them and like and I studied that shit. I flunked my entire freshman year of high school like studying fucking arrowid and I was on a mission to try every drug. Once I started doing like psychedelics and shit like that, I was on a mission to just fucking try everything. And I think I came pretty close. It's like a sommelier of drugs. Using was hella fun in the beginning, like going to raves and I was making lots of money selling. Like life was tight. I still like flunked out of school and it was clearly a problem in my life then, but I didn't see it. So it was fun and then became fun with problems and then just full on problems. And it went from, you know, like an innocent kid smoking weed and shit with his friends to like selling and doing heroin and skid row and going to jail and fucking rehab over and over again. Damn, that's so used. I like, well, I don't like that, but I think that's a really interesting way to describe it. It was fun, then fun with problems, then just problems. Yeah, pretty quickly too, like. I'm about to be 34, and uh, by the time I was 15, I was already in rehab. By the time I was 18, I'd been in rehab four times and, like, dual diagnosis psych wards. And for my 18th birthday present, my mom uh, packed up my shit in a duffel bag and sold the house and left my shit on the front doorstep. Damn. I was like, all right, I'll show you, and fucking picked up some coke. I can't wait for your book to come out. I know. You need a movie. But we'll start with the podcast. And your music. Yeah. So at what point in this journey of yours did music enter your life in the sense where you started making music? I grew up in a very musical family. Like in my my whole family is and was in the entertainment industry. And I was the oldest son. So like I was the center of attention. It was really freshman year of high school. I went to like a very prestigious art boarding school in Santa Barbara County called Happy Valley. And uh, it definitely lived up to its name for sure. One of my roommates was a DJ from Japan, from Tokyo. He just put me on with a bunch of cool shit. And like I'd been writing poetry. Like my strong point in school was always English class. I was terrible at everything else. Like I had like C minuses and then like A pluses in English. So I wrote poetry and um, he's like playing beats and shit. He was like, yo, you should, you should like rap that poem you just recited. And I kind of rapped it and I was like, whoa, like this is kind of cool. And it just, it went from there, you know? I was never like, yo, I want to be a rapper. It just kind of turned out like that. And I fell in love with it and uh, hip hop impacted more my life more than anything it's interesting i feel like art music specifically and drug use seem to go hand in hand more often than not what do you think the link there is creative and intelligent people are fucking insane every artist i know like smokes weed and like drinks that's just like at the least right yeah they go at the base level and then they're either strung out or like in recovery already you know so do you think that creatives and artists and musicians have like a predisposed risk to becoming addicts? Um, yeah, like it could be hereditary like me or it can just be like learned, you know, like peer pressure kind of shit. And then just doing that continuously over time, it turns into full blown addiction. Yeah. I feel like a lot of creatives are especially creatives, right? They're creatives because usually they just feel they're really deep people and they feel a lot more than maybe your average Joe. They're empaths. Yeah. And so most of the most famous artists, whether they're painters or even think of like method actors, like most of them are alcoholics or have some sort of substance abuse because it's just 
stimulation overload is just so much whether you're so you take that even to people who aren't creatives just people who are deep empaths and deep sensitive people and i think a lot of times that's why they become alcoholics or drug addicts because they're trying to numb that or at least kind of damn that feeling (laughs) yeah i think artists and shit like for show all have mental health issues and substance abuse is just it goes hand in hand with that you know what i mean what's your biggest frustration with the general public's perception of addiction and addicts they put us in the category of criminals all the criminal shit i did was to was for my habit like i didn't i felt like i've done like shady shit but i always felt bad doing it but I needed to because I needed to get high to like numb what the fuck I was feeling inside. I think addicts should like they do it in other countries get treatment instead. And I think drug dealers should too, because the majority of drug dealers are just doing that to fund their addiction. I completely agree. I think um, addiction is an illness, but we as the public don't view it as an illness. We view cancer as an illness, but addiction we don't. We consider like that's their choice. But in reality, it's not their choice. Yeah, it's a chemical. There's chemical imbalances going on there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they think it comes down to willpower. Like, oh, like, if he really cared, he'd stop. Or, like, if he was strong-minded enough, he could quit. But And and yes, like, for some people, but uh, for the majority, not. It's, It's literally, like, our brains are wired differently than normal people. Exactly. Yeah, I think people look at the most extreme end of the spectrum of what addiction can do to you in your life or what addicts can look like. So they'll look at, you know, the dangerous homeless people on Skid Row, the picked apart prostitute, the shady money stealing, scamming son. And they see that as a person's genesis. Like that's what they started as and that's what they've always been. But 9.8 out of 10 times, like that's the aftermath. Those are extreme and tragic results to people who were and are first and foremost people. Like, you know, that who had childhoods and who had aspirations. What you see is, yeah, it's just the end of of a really shitty problem and addiction and the results of being stigmatized instead of being sympathized with. A lot of addicts I know um, are some of the best people I've ever met in my life. 100%. With, like, the most love in their heart. They're just, uh, they got lost at some point in their life. I couldn't agree more at what you said about addicts being some of the best people you know. So this topic especially is very near and dear to my heart. I was raised by a family of addicts, I like to say, of all different degrees and variations, functioning, non-functioning. But my dad passed away of complications from a drug addiction. And he is, to date, 10 years after passing, still the favorite person I've ever had in my life. Like that man, nobody supported me better, loved me better, was there for me more. And in spite of his addiction and so it's just it's really frustrating when i like hear people try to categorize or stereotype them all as a certain type of person because it's just not true whatsoever like an an addiction is a part of a person but it's not a person it can become all of a person if left unchecked and untreated but we just don't have the right resources out there to treat it the same way that we do treat you know a physical illness that we take seriously but yeah, I think addicts, nobody knows how to love like an addict. You know, that's, you want to talk about commitment. <laughs> like, So there's, I didn't understand like the disease concept um, and it is a disease. So it starts with the obsession of the mind. And then once you put the substance in you, there's a, it's the allergy of the body. Once you put it in you, like you just can't fucking stop no matter what the consequences are. And you'll just keep running and running and running until 
you die or end up in prison or get committed. There's no um, help, really. It's like a revolving door, like... Rehab is expensive. It's expensive. Yeah. You need private insurance or like a hundred grand for a fucking three month stay. So I feel um, like it's cheaper to use than it is to try to get clean. Another factor too is some people just give up because they they look at the picture as a whole and they're like, Oh my god, like I'm here and have to get all the way there, like that's fucking impossible. Instead of just so that's why I love like the one day at a time thing. Yeah, I feel like when you look at it that way, it can be super overwhelming to think about what the end is, right? So addiction and recovery is one of those things where you can't look at it on the macro level, right? Like with in most other things in life, it's always like, look at the big picture, look at the big picture, you know, all of this is going to lead up to that. But I think when you apply that to addiction and recovery, that actually becomes very overwhelming for a person. And so it's one of those rare circumstances where you have to look at that in the micro it's not about six months from now. It's not about a year from now, two and a half years from now. Every day an addict wakes up if they're choosing recovery. It's just about the next 24 hours. Those next 24 hours are the only thing that matters. And that should be as big as your macro is. Yeah, facts. And, and like my, my recovery is literally just a bunch of 24-hour periods stacked together. After two and a half years, it's like unbelievable where the fuck I'm at in life. And like... I'd relapse so much before because I didn't think I was deserving of a good life. I would I would be sober for 30 days, 60 days. I'm like feeling everything because I don't have my crutch anymore. And like, I'm just like, wow, like I really am a piece of shit. Like I don't fucking deserve you or anything. And that's not the case. Like I wish I could give the gift of recovery to people, but I'd be robbing them of the experience that they have to go through. If recovery wasn't tight, like, I would be the first one to go fucking relapse. You know what I mean? So, like, me being sober this long for show, like, is because it's just, like, it's the new dope. Well said. Yeah, beautifully said that you would give the gift of recovery to people, but you'd rob them of the experience. So maybe the gift of recovery is the experience. All right. What's a drug or addiction that people don't talk enough about or acknowledge as a drug or an addiction? Like, honestly, like, probably alcohol, because it's so widely accepted. I think, like, codependency is is a big one, too, and I think every addict's codependent, every person's codependent to some degree. Like, for example, like, people that stay in toxic relationships for whatever fucking reason, like, are literally so prideful and, like, stubborn and codependent, they'll stay in that shit all their life. It's a different kind of addiction. It's a whole different, and it's like, it's so deep too. Cause like, we're people, we're humans, and like, we like, life's about relationships with humans that you build with humans. So that's like the hardest one to kick, dude. So, like I said, I mean, I was raised by a family of addicts in their own capacities and levels. And growing up, especially when I entered my college years, my family was always very concerned and like, Brianna, be careful. You know, you have that addict gene, you know, but I never had problems with alcohol or drugs, you know, socially. I I didn't do them any more than like the normal non-addict kid or I didn't do them in a way that was inappropriate for my age, right? Or social scene or what have you. So I always thought I got away scot-free from the whole addict thing. I'm like, oh, it skipped me. And then I got older and I realized that I'm actually, I think I'm addicted to people. (laughs) I do have that addict gene. It just comes out in people, which I'm not at all trying to discredit the severity of being addicted to, you know, 
really hard drugs, you know, heroin, coke, what have you. I think when you're addicted to people, it's almost worse because you're going through a constant withdrawal if, you know, that doesn't work out. Whereas if you're a heroin addict, if you're a coke addict, if you're an alcoholic, you at least always have that chance to to break, to relapse, to, you know, you can go out in the street and buy, you know, get your fix. But when you're addicted to people, like that's a that's a whole nother third party with its own agency. Like you can't just go out and get your fix of that person if they want nothing to do with you. You know, so you're just constantly. Yeah. And you can go like find any drug in any city or any suburb anywhere and find it. It's the same fucking high, but you meet one person and there's no other person that's like that person. And then that person's gone forever and you go person to person trying to find that feeling you got from that person. Yeah, like I, I realized it wasn't until I got sober to where I realized I could completely destroy my life sober too. I want to going back to what you said about an addiction that people don't acknowledge enough as one. The interesting thing about alcohol is, yeah, that completely ruins people's lives and bodies and minds often a lot faster than some, you know, than cocaine or ecstasy. But we have built our entire social interaction kind of foundation around alcohol. Happy hour, you know, that's a work thing. There's whole networking events around drinking together, especially if you're in any kind of entertainment industry, like you meet the people who's going to elevate your career, you know, at, at parties, at clubs, at tables. It's so. Yeah. And then if you don't do it, like you're like a fucking weirdo, you know? Yeah. Then they them. don't want you there. Like I've like, I've been turned down by women before, like strictly cause I don't party and I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. And you're like, babe, I promise you didn't, you, like, you'd turn me down if I was. Party. Yeah. You wouldn't, you wouldn't want to see me <laughs> if I was, you know what I mean? I might break your fucking heart, dude. Like you're not breaking hearts sober. No, no, I for sure am. Um, <laughs> I think it's really important that people understand and appreciate the fact that we're all addicts in some degree and to some level. Just because you're not hanging out on Skid Row smoking crack and selling yourself doesn't mean that you don't have just as bad of, a, of an addiction in your own way and own life as that person who is doing that. Yeah, and addiction can be not just alcohol or drugs, right? So, for example, I went through a time period that you know very well, and so did some of my other close friends, where I was abusing alcohol, but I was I was addicted to the scene, dude. I was wanting to be out in L.A. every night. I was working at a fancy club. I was partying with A-list celebrities. I was addicted to the scene. Yeah, facts. My, my first addictions were, like, were lying, and to feel accepted. And I would go to like any length to get that. Like I would fucking jump off a building and like break my leg to like make people laugh. Even if they were laughing at me, like that was good enough because I was getting their, they were giving me attention. Wait, did you actually do that? No, I would have though. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, I have a question for you, Reggie. What do you think is the biggest difference between the last time you went into rehab and you've stayed sober compared to the times you tried before that? The difference between this time around getting sober and all the other times before is I wasn't necessarily even using more or less than before, but uh, I came in to the rooms. They call that like AA, the rooms. I came into the rooms this time around on a breakup. 
the detox from the drug sucked. It was like two, three, four weeks, but like the after effects of the breakup lasted like a year, dude. Like it was terrible and it hurt even more because it was really like my fault, you know? I was so mad at her. Like, how could you do this to me in a way like I love her more now for like leaving me because it saved my life. Talk about one hell of a silver lining. Well, I'm glad she saved your life because we're very glad to have you in our life. But speaking of saving your life, tell us about Music Airs. Oh my God, Music Airs Foundation. So it's a nonprofit organization. They financially help musicians uh, with rehab and like financial crisis, et cetera, et cetera. And Back in like, I don't know, I think it was like 2010, my homie told me about them and I put together my resume and uh, sent it to them and they gave me a scholarship. Like I was court ordered at the time to be in treatment for a year and had to pay out of pocket and they paid for my whole stay. But I used, uh, I as soon as I was done with probation and all that, I went out and used again. And like I had used up my lifetime supply of money with them. So two and a half, three years ago, I was calling them like, please, I'm trying to get into rehab. Like I'm desperate, da, 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 da. And they couldn't help me out. They were like, like you used up all your money. But I just like, I, I've, I've never even met this lady in person. I just, our relationship's been entirely over the phone, but um, she saved my life. Uh, I just called her every day and bugged the shit out of her. And, um, she called me one day and was like, Hey, I, uh, had a meeting with like the heads and, um, we're willing to pay for 30 days of treatment if you go like right now. And I was waiting on the plug to pull up like with money in my pocket. And I didn't even wait for him. I just dropped my car off at my mom's house and fucking Ubered, Ubered treatment right there. And the rest is history, you know? And here we are two and a half years later. Yeah, two and a half years later, and like you know, I they like they saved my life. Um, I don't think I'd be here. I don't think I'd be alive if they hadn't helped me out because I had no insurance at the time. I had no money. I was on like a six month waiting list with like the county treatment centers. You know what I mean? And um, they came through for me, man. Like at my most desperate time, just Google Music Harris Foundation. Reach out to them if you need some help. Shit, reach, reach out to me, dude. DM me on Instagram if you need help, uh, if you need resources. If I'm ever rich and famous, I'm going to donate fucking millions of dollars to them. That's my word. And what was the scholarship package they put together for you? How much did they get together to send you to treatment? It was like $30,000. And I, I think that's a really important detail to share because people need to understand how much money out of pocket it costs to have a productive treatment and get clean. Yeah, I uh, I was working at a treatment center in Malibu and fucking it was like $40,000 a month together. And realistically, you know, the government, the state, they do these like, oh, your insurance will cover a week in treatment. But it's like, you really think seven days, I mean, the withdrawal lasts longer than seven days itself. So how can you expect an addict who's been using for years to to be fixed after seven days of what really is just withdrawal. Yeah. Or they'll, they'll be like, right. Um, so you pay this much and we'll cover the rest. And then when you get out of treatment, they mail you the bill. I think treatment's great to get you like physically stable. Basically like they just like 
introduce you to 12 step programs and then that's what saves you. And then the rehab takes all the fucking credit for it. You know what I mean? But I had a client who like went home after six months and he had a fucking bill for like $150,000 and he was so overwhelmed by it. He went out and got high. I mean, you get, you get out of treatment, you have a bill for 150 grand. Well, if you're panicking, what's one way, you know, you can make that kind of money quick selling dope but that's the my point you know we have all this judgment like why can't why can't they just stop why can't they get clean oh their parents sent them to rehab oh they went to rehab for once again oh they're in and out of it for their 18th time it's like yeah they're in and out of their 18th time of like the seven to ten day program you know that's also kicking them out with a hundred fifty thousand dollar bill it's like putting a band-aid on something when really you need surgery and after surgery, you intense surgery, it usually takes six to eight months to recover. And then you need physical therapy after that. Like drug addictions is it's not like getting the flu. It's not a cold. It's not like, oh, I'm sick for a little bit and then, you know, give me some Benadryl and Ni- or NyQuil and some antibiotics, 10-day treatment of antibiotics and, you know, I've kicked it. It's a disease. It's a intense car accident where you're in a coma for five days like and it needs to be treated the same way because it's not just a it's not just let's get the drugs out of your system it's like we have to rehab your body your body has to relearn and regenerate and heal and you often have to heal mentally on top of physically and emotionally and it's it's something that needs to be respected as a very long-term process that people need very long-term support and resources to achieve and it's never cured. It can be like arrested. You need it's a you need a spiritual solution because you're like using drugs to fill this god sized hole. I'm not religious. Some people are. That works for them. That's great. I have spirituality in my life. And I remember one time during an AA meeting, someone said, "He's just because we become sober doesn't mean we're not addicts anymore. We're addicts for the rest of our lives." Yeah. And I used to be really like strict in like my opinion about this but uh i used to think like aa and na and shit was the only way but there's multiple paths to recovery it's it's whatever works for you you know some people do like psychedelic therapy it all it all comes down it's your journey and it's like it's different for each individual yeah there's no one size fits all recovery cure it's not and black i think and it's white. you touched on it a bit where it's important to understand that there's a difference between having a problem and then having an addiction I think especially when you move to a city like this, if you're moving here alone and you're trying to make it, you can fall into a depression and you can start drinking heavy and it can start influencing your life. And okay, maybe you have a problem, but there is a big difference between that and addiction. The reality is the recovery process is uncomfortable with lots of emotional and physical changes along the way. What advice do you have for people to stay motivated to keep going even when they feel and reach those uncomfortable peaks and valleys? The words that people would tell me is just to trust the process and believe in yourself and give yourself a chance. Like you put so much faith into like the substance you were chasing. You can do the same for your recovery. And like another thing that stuck out for me that someone told me once was to be a blank canvas, you know, and forget everything you think you know about yourself and about God and the program and the future because you don't know what the fuck it holds you know for show sure, like if i can do this shit anybody can do it because uh it's like mind-boggling to me that i'm sitting here right now 
on a podcast talking about addiction and, and music. Like I didn't think I, I didn't think I'd make it to 18, let alone, you know, I'm going to be 34 soon. You know what I mean? And it's just a blessing, dude. And like, like I had no other option but to try this out and everything they told me that would happen has happened and like a million times more. You really do have one hell of a story and I'm really happy you're sharing it with us on our podcast. Reggie, who would you say is the most valuable person in your life currently? Shit. Uh, honestly, probably this yellow lab sitting next to me. <laughs> Jackson. Jackson. He is fucking adorable. Like at this moment in time, for sure, this dog. <laughs> but it, it's it's subject to change. I have so much love in my heart, but I try to like... I can't be like, like I have to live like in detachment, like not to where I can't like love or like be loved. You can like lose anything at any time. And I try not to give anything or anybody that power because if it is taken from me, you know, is my life over? Like, no, like I have to keep going on, you know? So that's really interesting because you are, you're two and a half years into your sobriety, which on one end of the spectrum that's really impressive in a really long time, especially coming from the years of addiction that you went through. But on the other end of the spectrum, it's still a pretty fragile amount of time, right? So it is a long time, but it's also not. And I'm curious if, are you so afraid to get very vulnerable or close to a person or, or value anybody in your life that much? Because if that goes south, do you feel still fragile enough to be at risk of using again? God damn it, yeah. That's why I like haven't gotten into a relationship. I have I do have a wall kind of put up, like a safety guard. But um, yeah, you know, I'm I'm like it's the first time in my life I've just done me, and I'm not even ready for that anyway until I'm where I want to be in life. You know what I mean? So you're like in a relationship with your sobriety right now. Yeah, and that's and, and myself. I think, yeah, then I would say maybe the most valuable person in your life right now is you. Not selfishly or selfishly, I guess. You know? Yeah. I'm, like, I can be selfish a little bit. I'll, I'll help others. Like, I'll help another person in recovery or, like, someone I care about and even someone I don't know, um, but not to the degree where it will, like, hurt me or my life, you know? Fuck yeah. Like, you have to, like, be 100 with yourself and then meet another person that's 100 with themselves. All right. On that note... Riggy, what's your favorite thing about yourself besides your dashing good looks? Oh, my goodness. Um, your perfect <laughs> smile. <Wow. laughs> and it could be more than one thing. Come on. Let's get get proud. Dude, get vain, you know what? Um, get confident. Just off the top of my head, like, I know I'm a good person, you know? I'm, I'm grateful that, like, all the shit I've been through, all the shit I've seen in life, it didn't, like, deaden me, you know what I mean? And it's crazy how, like, my nightmare I lived through is my message now. In a nutshell, everything I've been through in my life has been for a reason. Well, I can definitely say that I am more than fucking grateful and gracious and thankful to know you. And that you're so honest and transparent about your experience and your journey and your past. Yeah, and you're going to help so many people along the way with being so open. Y'all are fucking cool as hell. I mean, so we're, we're done with the questions, but I'd love to go off script a little bit and talk about your music. I'm just like, how is it 
still being so present in this world with like, I mean, I kind of imagine there's like plates of cocaine passing in front of you all the time, ketamine, like it's still there, right? So what is that like for you? Like for most addicts, or especially if you're in recovery, like a big thing is like, don't put yourself in those environments or situations anymore, but your livelihood and your job is music. And what happens to come along with that in that scene is, is everything that almost destroyed you so right so talk about that yeah that's i totally agree like you um if you're getting sober like you should completely separate yourself from that but um as a musician for certain you're gonna be around that shit i don't know like i had to separate myself my first year completely from even getting back in the studio and just do aa till i felt stable and um now I don't even trip on it. It doesn't ever cross my mind like, ooh, that looks nice. Or like, oh, uh, you know, like I don't fucking bask in like the uh, like fantasy of that. Like, because I know where it takes me. This music shits in my blood, you know. This is like my spirituality. Like I I can't, I, I cannot live without music. A wise person in the program told me like, you know, you do what you need to do and record and perform whatever, but you just don't go to the after party. And that shit resonated with me. I'm like, how the fuck do you do that, bro? You know? And he's like, dude, just take a break for a while. Like, just do the 12 steps, like do your meetings and like shit will work out. And it did. Hell yeah, it did. Damn, that's so fascinating too, because even, I mean, right? I feel like LA is all about the after party. That's where the business deals are made. That's where you network. That's where you meet people like in their most honest state, right? So it's gotta be, it's just crazy. I mean, I'll still go to the after party <laughs> defending. Like I, I have many times and it's nothing, like I have more friends that like aren't in recovery than I do in recovery. Like my sponsor has 41 years and he has like two friends in the program. Like the rest are normies. Yeah, dude, I have so much fun sober. Like, and I'm like, people will be like doing lines or whatever. And like, I'll be the last one awake. Like they all fall asleep and it's like 5am. I'm like, yo, like what are we doing next? You know, you fucking lames. Like, God damn y'all are normal as shit. I'd be up for fucking four or five days on that shit. dude, Till I got arrested or hospitalized. I can't use, I just know in my soul that I can't do just one of anything and once I realized that, it's been easier. I can do everything that anybody can sober. But it took a lot of work to get there. Like, I had to isolate myself from the world and just do AA and shit for, like, a year, you know? Yeah, and I've thought about that a lot, too, in the sense of if I can't enjoy this sober, like, if I can't go to this party, if I can't go to this concert and not drink, or then do I really want to go is that really fun yeah i kind of view alcohol as it being some sort of crutch like it makes it easier to like socialize and talk to people dude i gotta say like talking to women and shit like that sober has been a process dude like i had so much more courage when i was high dude i'm slowly adjusting but like fuck dude when i first tried to talk to a chick when i was sober like i fucking stuttered and like looked like an idiot yeah, it takes practice, y'all. Like, practice makes perfect. And I like being the designated driver because, like, I owe that to uh, my friends, dude, to look out for them. And, like, if there's some creep at the party, I'll beat his ass, you know? Oh, I know. And I've seen. 
Dope. Well, fuck. Thank you so much. I want to outro this with your with your music. All right. Do you have dates in, in lockdown? Do you have singles coming out? What can we look forward to? What can we talk um, about there? I do have some shit coming out with Lush One. Our duo name is Dead End Kids. We have a music video coming out in March. We have singles already up online on all digital outlets. Uh, shout out to Jordan River Recordings, my engineer and producer. Yeah. Strong Coffee Club. Thanks for talking with us. Thank you, ladies. It's been a blast. And we're going to go ahead and turn the mic over to Ricky because we're going to play Cold Air Balloons, my new single music video coming soon, produced by JQ Beats, powered by Born Evil Studios. Let's go. Um, It just, the song basically depicts like my everyday life when I was using, like what it was like. Uh, some people might think I'm glamorizing shit, but that is not the case because if you listen to the lyrics and the visual, you will see there's really nothing fun about that shit whatsoever. But uh, yeah, just uh, I try to paint a picture with my words and tell a story. Yeah, hope you all enjoy. Happy Monday. Wishing you all the most successful 24 hours. Remember, take it, take it day by day. Take it 24 by 24. 24 by 24, baby. 24 by 24, and we'll see you at the end of... What's 24 times 7? I didn't go to college. Hey, I need a zip of dog food, bro. I got hella cats hitting me up right now. Let's link. Where the fuck you at? You ever been toxic in the streets? Yeah, you know the vibe. Ever caught a case with a piece? Yeah, you know the vibe. Shot of shared a rig with the police? Yeah, you know the vibe. Do my thing till the latest cease. Call it suicide. Ever been toxic in the streets? Yeah, you know the vibe. Ever caught a case with the piece? Yeah, you know the vibe. Shot of shared a rig with the police? Yeah, you know the vibe. Do my thing till the latest cease. Call it suicide. It all started in MacArthur, 12 balloons in a pack. I was burnt out off the crystal plus the coke. In the My homie on parole hit me up with a plan. I swooped him up in the Solera till go has on a gram. I've been chasing green 80s till the prices went up. Right. Told me nah, this shit is cheaper. Start supplying the stuff. Yeah. My paisa yeah. with the biz, homie, drive to the cut. And if he sees that you're dependable, he'll front you enough. Cop 60, shot three, no tolerance, rush. Fresh needles, Walgreens, cop the 10 for a buck. Flipped it to the fiends, doubled up on my funds, got a bad Chunky bitch, now we're falling in love. Cans of Arizona, slice the bottom to cook. Stir the sludge, don't burn your fingers when you're mixing the goods. Tied the belts around my arm, hit the vein with precision. Eyes pinned, I feel perfect, now it's time that you listen. You ever been toxic in the streets? Yeah, you know the vibe. Ever caught a case with a piece? Yeah, you know the vibe. Shot of shared a rig with the police? Yeah, you know the vibe. Do my thing till the latest cease. Call it suicide. Ever been toxic in the streets? Yeah, you know the vibe. Ever caught a case with the piece? Yeah, you know the vibe. Shot of shared a rig with the bleach. Yeah, you know the vibe. Do my thing till I made a cease. Call it suicide. Woke up at Olympic Motel with the chill. Bed bugs and cold sweats, blood stains on my grill. Last night was a blur, but there's black in my zipper. Hit a vein in my throat to get rid of the shivers. Then I hit the goal line. Pasadena goal line. Fentanyl, I cut mine perfect so you won't die. Gotta get my bread up. Fuck 12, I'm fed up. Probation 
violation Now these cuffs will never let up Sitting in a cell Cause these people They so quick to tell Fake gangster Don't fiend snitch Then they wish you well Money on my books Know my chick with the business Sent some boxes in the mail And PayPal for Christmas Ten months later I was back in the streets Skid row with neck deep With a relapse complete I'm a legend in my city So I died in my sleep Narcan a lifesaver So the cycle repeat You ever been toxic in the streets? Yeah, you know the vibe Ever caught a case with a piece? Yeah, you know the vibe Shot of shared a rig with the police? Yeah, you know the vibe Do my thing till the latest cease Call it suicide Ever been toxic in the streets? Yeah, you know the vibe Ever caught a case with the piece? Yeah, you know the vibe Shot of shared a rig with the police? Yeah, you know the vibe Do my thing till the latest cease Call it suicide Hey, you fucking asshole It's your fucking girlfriend Answer your fucking phone so heroin is derived from morphine, and it's a highly addictive drug. It's been around for many, many, many years. Um, it gives people a high, especially it can be smoked or it can be injected. Um, and especially when it's injected, it can be uh, very dangerous as well. So what it does is it enters the brain and it goes to certain receptors in the brain that are in the pleasure centers of the brain. And those are uh, stimulated, dopamine is released, and the person gets a high from that. With uh, the use of uh, an overdose, an overdose situation, for example, heroin can rapidly kill someone by suppressing their respiration or stopping their heart.